Welcome to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. This special series features some of Milwaukee's most distinguished leaders. They'll share how they overcame challenges, developed their skills, and achieved success, so you can gain insight and inspiration. And now, Leadership is in Session. Welcome, everybody. We are back in the studio today for the Athena Communications Masterclass, Leadership is in Session, during which we invite some of Milwaukee's most prominent leaders to spend some time with us and share with you, our listeners, their thoughts about how they have moved their career path forward, how they have made personal success for themselves. We have had the privilege of speaking with a lot of different people, and today we have the opportunity to welcome in Leah Flack, who is a professor of English at Marquette University. Leah, welcome in. Thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here today. Well, we are so happy to have you to talk to us today about storytelling and gender equity. So with you being a professor, you have multiple research interests, and I'm just going to read those off for our listeners. Your research uh, includes interest in English, Irish, American, and Russian literary traditions, and you have published extensively on these topics. Put simply, you love stories and storytelling. And in fact, I happen to see on your Twitter bio that you say, tell me a story. How did you get started in this work? I think that I was born into this work. As a kid, I saw myself growing up in stories inside of the books that I was reading. And I look back on that and I'm really grateful for it because I think that I grew up inside of books. I was, and that was powerful for me. I was a first generation girl who was in a family where there was no expectation for me to go to college. But reading all the time uh, showed me that the world was bigger than I realized and that I could be more than the stories I was hearing about my future. I saw myself as a math person when I applied to college. I was a biochemistry major and started that and realized quickly that that wasn't fulfilling for me. And at the time, it was in literature classes that I found my path and I found myself and my future. I started reading books from cultures that were different from ours, where people lived and died to protect their stories as a kind of personal and cultural inheritance. I've written books about that, about places in history and moments in history when stories were essential and urgent, like Soviet Russia, ancient Greece, and lots of places in between. I've looked at our own cultural moment where the Me Too movement showed the significance of women's stories and creating a space for those stories and creating solidarity through stories and storytelling. So I, I went to college. I was the first woman in my family to do so. Obviously stayed in college for a long time, got my PhD. In that time, as I you know began my career as a faculty member after having a few roles in other industries, I started to see my own classrooms as sacred spaces that could transform students' ideas about themselves. I don't know what stories my students carry with them when they start classes, but I'm hoping that they can become aware of them and that they can be empowered to change their stories as they need to and see them as open to their imaginations. I learned to value the imagination over the course of my career. 
The one thing I didn't get, though, at the time, uh, even when I got my degree, was the value of my own story and the value of stories of those around me. And that has been my focus for the last decade or so is at Marquette, I try to create spaces for people to share stories about themselves. And I try to also help people to learn how to listen more closely and deeply to one another. And I have been moved to see how powerful that can be as an experience for people. So my work right now is trying to create as many different opportunities for people of all ages, students, faculty, community members, to value their stories and learn that their stories matter and they're important and to be changed by the process of telling their stories and hearing stories of others. So how do you encourage someone? You mentioned you want people to acknowledge and share and maybe feel empowered by sharing their story. How do you encourage someone who maybe feels a little bit timid about that? And I'm thinking specifically, perhaps of young women. Uh, you have done research in this space, and I know you you and I have talked about uh, some of the young women you have had in classes. How does that happen? I create uh, safe spaces for people to tell stories. So I am a member of the global nonprofit Narrative 4, which holds story exchanges. And these are structured events um, that bring 16 or so people together. They, we have a set of shared prompts. Um, there are ground rules established so people know kind of what to expect. They know that it's a confidential safe space and they sort of learn and are prompted to really hear each other without interruption. So people at these events are paired off and they go and exchange a, a meaningful story. They get to choose how deep or how not deep they want to go based on how they're feeling that day so that everybody feels safe. And so partners exchange stories. They come, We come back to the group and each person tells their partner's story in the first person as though it were their story. So if I were telling your story, I would say, hi, my name is Becky and this is my story. And that's where... I think the the magic of storytelling begins to work on people because I can see them when they're telling another person's story really start to inhabit the way that that story feels and translate it to their own experience. So it becomes a great way for them to build empathy in the moment. I remember the first time I did it, I felt my my heart expanding while I was telling someone else's story. And then they get the powerful experience of hearing another person protect and honor and care for their story by hearing their story in somebody else's point of view. And something powerful that a young woman said after one of these experiences that I remember is that she was unaware of the stories that she was carrying around with her and how hostile some of them were to her perception of herself. And how little compassion she had had for herself when she thought about the important events of her life. But putting it into words and then having someone else kind of, you know, tell the story from their point of view made her realize that she'd been too hard on herself, that the kind of path forward for her was to change the way that she thought about about events and memories that weren't generous. And I, I thought, okay, that's not bad for a 75-minute experience. So we do see people come in timid who aren't used to telling stories. No one's used to telling a five-minute story or so without being interrupted. But they find courage in one another. And one of the values that we reinforce is that it's absolutely normal to be to be nervous and that it's worth it to take a risk. 
I love that so much. And so you've really gotten the heart of why you think there is such power in storytelling. Will you talk to us a little bit about that classroom experience at Marquette, the way you're educating students, the way you're working with students, especially post-COVID? Because I think you have a really interesting way in engaging with them. Absolutely. I want students to feel like they are participating in a wider tradition of stories and storytelling. And I am aware that they were raised in a culture that's not that different from the one that we were raised in that perpetuates ideas that the humanities and arts and stories and poetry are frivolous and they're not practical and they don't prepare us for anything. And I think that's a damaging idea that has people when they start college maybe limiting themselves a bit. In classes, I give them the freedom to value these things and to take stories seriously and to allow themselves to be open to what stories have to offer. You learn lessons. You can identify with characters. You can build empathy. You can turn to stories as solace, as wisdom, as comfort, as any number of things. And during COVID, I taught online for three semesters, and I saw students really um, on the verge of falling apart, as everyone was, from isolation from one another, from the kind of alienated experience of, of living on screens, from suddenly going on spring break and finding themselves back at their parents' house for, you know, a year unexpectedly. And my classes took on a new tenor as students really leaned into coming together to talk about literature. They were forming intimate connections with one another like I've never seen. I taught a women's literature and culture class and that group of, you know, 25 people online just really connected because they were able to talk about things that made them invest themselves in a period when they weren't having meaningful conversations with anyone. I think that COVID silenced a lot of us and a lot of people, and it kind of froze them still. And the process of writing and, you know, communicating with their peers, with me, really, I think, helped a lot of them to remain unstuck and to use writing as a form of self-expression to work their way through whatever it was that they were experiencing. Yeah, that's great. I, I appreciate that so much. And you have used the word empathy a few times so far in our conversation. And I think it's interesting because you are also personally and professionally interested in the lived experience of women through an equity lens. And so, in fact, you and I have discussed the fact that so many of us are socialized to what I'd call, we're going to make do, right? And so we're accustomed to maybe being talked over in a meeting. Um, maybe we're even having some of our symptoms, our medical symptoms ignored by professionals. Why is this? And what can we do about it? I think that it's such an important question. I think that we are raised to make ourselves small and to make ourselves quiet. I think that we do, you know, this, we, we sort of inherit that from the culture, but we also reinforce it with one another a lot of times. I think that young women in particular aren't, don't have a lot of great examples of solidarity with other women and just full support of other women, even if they want that. There aren't many spaces and opportunities in their lives for that kind of moment. And to reinforce that idea that women matter, women's voices matter, women's experiences and stories matter. So we end up with a lot of women who think that their stories are unique and that 
Um, if you th- hear about, you know, studies of the imposter syndrome with women, everyone experiences it, but people keep that private and silent. And so that gets internalized as shame. So I think that, you know, all of the things that women leaders struggle with at work to be heard, to have their ideas valued, to get credit for their ideas are all a part of this larger issue of them not knowing that their stories are inherently valuable, that they can be tools for connecting with others, inspiring with others, learning from others. And I think that, you know, storytelling is a sort of offers us a different way at that problem. You mentioned in the medical world, I think we've seen the life and death kind of stakes of being of women being heard or not heard in the last few years when so many of us ended up in various forms of medical crises. Our children ended up in medical crises. And I think that many women experienced over the pandemic not being heard and by by medical professionals. Um, There are all kinds of studies that show that women don't receive the same level of care as men, particularly women of color. And so the larger question becomes, how can we insist that we be heard and that we be heard accurately and fully so that we can get not only the kind of attention and credit that we deserve, but also the care in life or death situations. So my hope is that if women can learn to tell their stories, to value their stories, and to really create spaces for one another to tell their stories, that they will have that skill when it really matters. What is the most fulfilling part of your work? What have you taken from idea to action that you are particularly proud of? I am really proud of going from somebody whose head was in the clouds, you know, loved like living in the world of language and books to somebody who is actively trying to create ways for people to embrace their own stories as forms of power. So I have been uh, doing, we had a a couple of campus-wide story exchanges for women this year, and um, those were, were really successful. I am starting an initiative called The Voices of Women, which brings uh, female novelists and artists to campus and also kind of puts forward our own amazing writers on campus. I want to create as many public spaces to uplift and elevate women's voices and amplify those voices so that we get used to hearing our voices and our stories and we get used to being inspired by one another and recognizing our our potential for that. Speaking of of storytelling and powerful voices, who do you look to as an inspiration for storytelling? Maybe it's somebody in your personal life. Maybe it's in your professional life. Maybe it's both. It is both. I have become somebody who will sit down and and just ask for your story. So expect to stay around afterward. I would say that um, I, I have both reinforcing positive influences and I have a kind of like few regrets that drive my desire to, to know stories. One is I wish that I had gotten my mother's stories. Mm. Um, she left us too soon. And I think about all the questions I never asked as a as, you know, a young woman and all the things that I'd love to know. And so that is something that I think about as I want to help women to tell their stories is is have them to be known as their authentic selves to the people who matter to them and to not erase themselves to the people that they love the most. 
I also am inspired by people who've helped me to make a kind of full-throated, non-apologetic defense of storytelling. So that includes authors like Colin McCann, who was the founder of Narrative 4, Seamus Heaney, the great Irish poet, who I I love his line, uh, walk on air against your better judgment. Hmm. People who helped me to understand that, you know, what seems like it might not be essential is in fact the core of who we are. I love that so much. Such wise words. And I do want to ask you, what's on your nightstand? What are you reading right now? I always have about five books on my nightstand because I want to read different genres at at different times. So I have been reading more poetry than ever in the last the last year and a half or so. The reason for that is I was recovering from a serious illness and reading poetry helped me to kind of get my mental strength back and my kind of cognitive sharpness um, outside of the demands of following a story, um, getting lost in a story, having short kind of focused and beautiful reading experiences helped. So I am reading a book right now by the Irish poet Evan, um, Evan Boland. And she writes about kind of poems about her mother, about kind of objects in her house. It's really like beautiful domestic poetry. I just finished uh, Rebecca Mackay's new novel that came out in February. I have some questions for you. We brought her to campus this spring to kind of launch our uh, The Voices of Women series. And this book is incredible. It's a mystery that asks us that, I mean, makes you not able to put the book down, but it also asks us to think about our obsession as a culture with true crime stories about men killing women. And if you think about most of the true crime podcasts out there, most of the stories are are those stories and we're used to those stories. So it puts us in a position of really reflecting on that. I am reading a book about how to write about music, uh, which is something I'm a huge music fan. And I am just interested in kind of hearing people or reading people talking about their craft and how they translate that experience of hearing a great album or a great song into words. And so that's something where I always like to be trying something new. And so that's the the new thing. I'm teaching a class on Epic this semester, and I uh, have really enjoyed reading new translations by women. So the very first um, translation of The Odyssey by Homer in English was published just five years ago, the same time that the Me Too movement started. And Emily Wilson, the translator, has given us a brand new epic for our time and I think for all time. When This time when we were reading, my students were mostly engineers, and they all concluded that Penelope, Odysseus's wife, was the hero of the story, and she was the wisest character in the story. And all it took was a different perspective on the language of that 3,000-year-old story to help students to see what was always there, but was hidden by all of the ideas that centuries of male translators brought to this story. I'm sure all of our listeners out there are now thinking, how do I get to sit in on Leah Flack's class at Marquette University? <laughs> so lots of great uh, lots of great books uh, mentioned. I will certainly be adding them to my reading list. I have Rebecca's uh, on my library eagerly awaiting, I, although I think I'm at about number 100 on that list. Uh, but as a huge library patron, I do like to patronize the library and I'll wait my turn uh, very very eagerly. Uh, but Leah, I, I want to thank you today because this was truly amazing. I think you and I could sit and talk about books and storytelling and the power of story. And uh, 
even how vulnerability around each of our own stories plays into so much of how we live each day. So thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Leadership is in Session, powered by Athena Communications. Be sure to catch all eight enlightening episodes. And don't forget to connect to On the Edge of Equity with Tammy Belton-Davis, available wherever you get your podcasts.